This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Wednesday edition of the big show. On ESPN 100.5 and 105.1, KTGR, your total sports station in Mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. It's Andy Humphrey and Brendan Schaefer and producer Chris is back. How about it? Whole gang's here once again. Ready to talk about yet another Zubin's basketball loss. Tell you. Every time. Love it. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna get more of uh, more of the, our thoughts on that eight seven five KTGR if you want to call or text us yet another uh, loss where uh, yeah where where we need to uh, make sure that we clear things up and also maybe bleep things out all of a sudden even though Dennis Gates told us not to uh, we'll try to get Brendan here in just a second but um, uh, 875-KTGR uh, if you want to call or text us here uh, on the show but um, we'll also hear from Larissa Anderson of Mizzou Softball at 425 they have lit things up and uh, top 15 program once again and trying to keep things rolling at the Marionetta Classic this weekend that's some tough competition for Mizzou softball. We'll hear Larissa Anderson's thoughts at 425. Brian Smith, Mizzou wrestling coach, joins us at 545 to uh, talk all things Mizzou wrestling as they finish out their regular season this weekend, taking on a couple teams from Iowa, but uh, had some great road wins this past weekend. So we're going to hear from Brian Smith about all that at 545. And then uh, we talked a little bit about the college football playoff formats uh, from uh, from yesterday, it was approved the five plus seven model, and you know we weren't really big fans of it because the the auto bids, the the top four uh, conference champions, they automatically get that first round buy, and so that means for Notre Dame, they can't have a first round buy. So how do we feel about that? Is that fair to Notre Dame? Is that fair to uh, you know everyone else that's Buying for a spot there. We'll talk about it uh, at 505. 875-KTGR if you want to call or text us. You can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show. And find us on Facebook, too, at Facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now, the Big Show's Big Deal. Mizzou, again, had a chance to stop this long losing streak that they've had in conference play. And it was against about as good of a team as they faced all year in Tennessee. They led them by seven at one point in the second half, but as you know, couldn't finish the job. Tennessee stormed back. They won 72 to 67. Tigers, 13 consecutive losses now in conference play, now 8 and 18 overall, and seemed to be no end in sight. Tennis Gates afterward used a four letter word that uh, he told us to not bleep out. You can go online to KTGR.com and hear the unedited version, but you'll have to hear the edited one here on these airwaves because we're not online only, unfortunately. That's how it goes. Tigers play next at Arkansas on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. That's the big show's big deal on this 21st day of February 2024. 
Dennis the Menace, my huh. man. <laughs> I mean, just out. <laughs> Here we'll we'll get to it here. Why don't we just go right to what he was? We saying. probably should. Yeah. Anyway, well, before we go any further, I got a couple of different flavors for you guys. I'm uh, trying to test them out for you sure? here. Sure. Yeah. Okay. No. I got All some. Right, I got go some ahead. flavors here. Okay. Yeah. Which one as long do we, as they're safe. Do we do we prefer this one? We got to do a better job drawing fouls. I think we suck at it. We're <laughs> terrible. We're terrible at drawing fouls, and we got to do a better job. Okay, How we feel about that one? Yes or no? I like that's the, the fuel. Okay. That, and and there's the the juxtaposition of the sound that. That happens when we go into the transfer portal and we go that's our online big only. Joke, transfer portal, that's yeah. Our, so I get the. Uh, the that's the, kind of an inside joke. It's yeah, a joke it, within the joke. There's a good I connection like there. If you know, you know. All right, what's the next one? We're f- <laughs> terrible. We're terrible <laughs> yeah. at drawing files, and we got to do a barnacles. better job. Yeah, SpongeBob people will. Uh, oh, will barnacles, that one. Dennis. So this is good. Here's what I like. He's right. At times this year, he has complained about the lack of free throw attempts from Missouri men's basketball. And sometimes maybe directing that ire toward the refs. I like that he just directed it toward his team because it's true. His team has been so bad well, at drawing fouls this year. Here's what I'll say to that. In with respect to yesterday, because just watching the game and seeing how it all unfolded, you're right, Brendan. Mizzou has trouble drawing fouls this year. They don't do it as much as their opponent. If they did, they probably would have a few more wins than they have right now. Maybe a conference win? Probably. I would think so. If they're better at drawing fouls, yes, you are right. I do think we need to independently judge each one of these situations that we see here. Watching that game yesterday, I can see where Dennis Gates could have some beef. I could definitely see it. Second half. First seven fouls of the half were all on Mizzou. It was seven nothing in fouls by the time the fifteen minute mark came. So really? yeah, but what? But so what are you saying? Because like that clip, and I saw there, so, at least uh, yeah out of the context though that clip does not say to me he's no, mad at it the doesn't. Refs. No, I understand. He's that. mad at his team, and he but, should be. No, I understand that. And yes, he he's right. I'm not saying he's wrong. But you think maybe the refs were a little bit... You want to complain about the refs. Is that what it is? I can see why Dennis Gates would... He didn't do it yesterday after the game. He's done it before, right? He's complained about officiating in in, some more subtle terms than that. But Uh, do you feel yesterday would have been the day to complain about officiating rather than put it on his team? I think so. Because I'm just glad we're finally hearing him say something bad about about his team. And I know that maybe that sounds a little backwards, but this is a bad team that hasn't won a conference game. So I, I think from a fandom standpoint, when the head coach comes out game after game and and plays like the sunshine and rainbows routine about a team that doesn't have a conference win, you're like, eventually I want to I want to hear you say that you're bad at stuff because you yeah. kind of are. So I don't even if it was yesterday, maybe you could have blamed the refs. Uh, potato, potato. I, I feel like I'm finally glad to see him going. Look, all in all. We got to do a better job of of this thing, whatever that thing might be. But a, yesterday it was fouls. But at the same time, fouls. I mean, free throws were not a huge. There wasn't a huge difference. Not for Tennessee the game. No, shot twenty seven. Mizzou shot twenty one, and and Mizzou was fouling towards the end, so they sent them to the line a little bit more. The right. number got inflated a little bit, and so I mean, it, I don't know if yesterday was 
was even the game to talk about your team being bad at drawing fouls. I mean, like, I mean, they did it about as much as the other team did. I'll so take it where like, I can get it, man. I'll right? take it where I can get it. No, I, I need to hear. It's, I need to hear a little fire like that. No, I really I, do. I I've been it. waiting. And uh, of course, Dennis Gates. Uh, during all of that, he asked us not to bleep it out. Uh, sorry, we had to bleep it out. There. So that's an FCC sorry, thing, Coach. Yeah, can, I know. You know, yeah. we could go the way of Kelvin Sampson and say, "Are you paying the fine?" I mean, that would have been an option, right? <laughs> FCC fine. If you want to pay it, Coach. Yeah. I mean, maybe that would drive the point home. But good, like finally a little fire from him. He's been too stoic for a season where you haven't won a conference game. I love Dennis Gates, but I'm re- I was ready to see something like this. I'll be honest with you. Were you chart this on the Patino scale on a scale of one to ten? Oh man, the Patino scale. Oh, no, that was how much a Patino was this? No, it was scale, not a Patino. On it a scale of one to fifteen seconds, um, you know, I don't know where I'd put it. I'm not sure where I'd put it. No, I mean this. This was again. We've never God. heard Dennis Gates. I don't believe swear in a press conference ever, or or just in general, <laughs> or in general, <laughs> even right. out in other settings. Like, I've never he heard it. Him. Right? Let's go. Didn't know. That's my coach. So I mean, <laughs> if uh, if we're talking about it, did not get to Rick Pitino's scale. Rick Pitino went on an absolute tirade meltdown kind of thing for St. John's on Sunday. That was different. Yeah, Mizzou was, was catching lots of lots of shrapnel yeah, over the Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. But uh, again, uh, to yesterday's game, it's a, it, exactly what they did at Ole Miss. Get the lead. Play, play a pretty good game plan. Like that, that was exactly the type of game that they needed to make it, where it was quite literally one nothing at the first media timeout. That's the type of game you have to make it in order to have a chance, and they made it that, but just couldn't hold on for a full forty minutes. Dalton Connect finally got going. Well, he connected, didn't he? He sure did. Um, and again, the fouls piled up. It. I, I understand that, yes, Mizzou's been bad at drawing fouls this year, and, and foul disparity hasn't really been on the officials at all. But I'm I'm not joking when I looked up and I saw that Noah Carter was called for a foul that I'm pretty sure was just for breathing. Like, yeah. I seriously thought, what else That's did he do other than look down? And, so let's... I, I, I think I think we should I think we should parse this out a little bit more because I don't think th- that Dennis Gates does does something that doesn't have a purpose behind it, and so it's interesting that on the day where Andy Humphrey comes out and says, "Look, this was was maybe more of a referee issue last night than it has been in other games." It's interesting that Gates chooses, I think, deliberately to go the other direction. It almost kind of sends that message to his team that's like, "Look, we're not going to be that team." that's going to complain and say, hey, we lost because of the refs. We need to sort of own our record at this point in yeah. time. And so I almost wonder, Andy, if that wasn't the the mental strategy of, of Coach Gates to say, look, I'm going to go so far above and beyond what I would need to do to make sure that we're not pointing fingers in the wrong directions because you don't end up over in conference play because of the refs every single game, right? Eventually you have to take some responsibility for what you do. So I wonder if that was maybe his goal yesterday to say to his team, again, coaches do these press conferences not so much to tell us things in the media or the public, but a lot of times they use them to talk to their team. And I'm wondering if Coach Gates, maybe there was some some murmuring in the locker room about that, and he says, I'm going to put a stop to that by going so far in the other direction that nobody will be able to mistake it. 
we do need to be better as a team and take some personal responsibility. Maybe that was the angle, and, and whether it was or wasn't, I still like that he went out and, and kind of came, came out with the approach that he had last night. 875-KTGR, give us a call or a text. Daniel texting in, Gates is fed up. He tried so hard to get a tech last night, but they didn't give it to him. If he blames the refs in the postgame conference, he gets fined. This is the way he's trying to get a point across, and I love it. I mean, I think he's sending a message. Probably it, because, again, I – and look, it – I can't say that I watch the sideline for every game, but right. it seemed that when I was watching Dennis Gates on the sideline yesterday, that there was he was irked by quite a few things, and yeah. he even called. I think he even called a timeout and just to uh, talk to the officials for a longer period of time. He called like a thirty second timeout, and by the time that it, it was almost pretty costly to him because it was the second half, and that was the second to last one, and yeah. then he called his last one with like. Eight minutes left to stop a Tennessee run, and it's like you don't have any timeouts for the final eight yeah, minutes. Yeah, like, I can't really question that though, because if he felt it was important enough in the moment, right. because he felt the game getting away from a ref standpoint, you know, maybe you could see that. But also, Andy, there are other things the Tigers could have done yesterday. First of all, they had a healthy second half lead at one point in time. Yeah, you could also though go back to the beginning of the game. It took them like nine minutes to get a field goal. Right, they had two points, but it was it was a free throw here. A oh, well, yeah, there. but that, that was kind of both ball. teams, no, right? No. Yeah. Why is it when these ugly starts or these ugly kind of game flows happen for Missouri? Like, I'm not going to go, well, it was both teams. First of all, when it happens, Missouri usually has fewer points. Even when it happens, they're still kind of behind by a couple during those stretches. And, like, don't let it happen. You be the team to score some points because they, those points could have had some utility later on when you're trying to weather the Tennessee run like that. Though that is still going to be a, a point of contention for me when you have those long, long droughts without scoring a point. I, you, I mean, it's hard to win games when you have one of those every single game, whether it happens at the beginning of the night or at the end. Yeah. It's tough to win with those circumstances. It is. And Mizzou, again, every time that they do something well, another part of their game sets them back far enough to where they can't over, or to where that thing they did well doesn't matter. And yeah. So yeah, so we can say there are bright spots with like development of these players, and there probably there probably are. I mean, they they have played better the last couple games, right? And we didn't expect them to be in that game at all last night against the top five team in the country. Like even at home, it was nope. not no, an to expectation be fair, at all. Yeah, it was because I told you yesterday they win by five. Okay, do you sure. know? Do you remember end of the show? Did I? Did I not? Yeah, I said, no, you were right. Yeah, you said, dude. Yeah. If they had won by five, I would have come in here peacocking around like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. I just wanted to give them a little, you know. And I didn't even realize it would be the Kobe Brown bump. You know, they had Kobe Brown. Yeah, in he was there last night. Yep. The Ben Sternberg boost. Yep. And uh, you know, Jackson Francois on the bench, just like I told you he, he would be. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> He's probably tired as hell, but hey, you know. <laughs> For everything stuff. for the team, right? You know, and I did. I, I know I'm down here in Jupiter, Florida, covering the the Cardinals here uh, at spring training. I did make sure to take in this entire game, Andy. Uh, went to a local taco restaurant, a little, little establishment down here. Okay. They had karaoke going on. I was actually here with uh, Benjamin Hockman of the Post-Dispatch and Corey Miller, who's with uh, Channel 5 in oh, St. Louis. Oh, good guy, yeah. Three, yeah. three Mizzou course. guys, three Mizzou guys doing some karaoke, watching some basketball. I will say, I, because I cannot tell a lie, during one of my turns to sing is when the run for Tennessee happened and, and Mizzou was, you know, they they were leading when I got up there to, to, to sing on stage, and next thing I know, Mizzou's trailing when I come back. So, I, I, so I you think, are at fault. I think I have yeah. to at least accept partial responsibility for what took place. I, that's on me, guys. If I had known, I would have kept my butt planted to that seat 
Uh, I did have to ask them to turn off the romance movie channel, turn on SEC Network. That was part of uh, me doing my part last night to make sure we could could watch the game. But, uh, yeah, I think I kind of blew it with, with going up there to sing while uh, while the game was still hanging in the balance. What movie was it? You know, it was some romance movie channel. I don't know, but I said, hey, no offense to whoever may be watching that, but I think that could be SEC Network right now. Would that be okay? And they were, uh, they were super accommodating and uh, was able to get the game on. I don't know why that's the channel of choice anyway at this taco place or You know, it might it have be. been one of those Spanish language channels as well. Sometimes okay. you you know you sometimes in a in a Mexican restaurant you get like the soap operas that perhaps yeah. uh, the the staff enjoys, but it was kind of prime time, you know, sporting hours and I thought maybe we could spare a TV um for for the Mizzou game. And they were kind enough to do it. I love that's a part too about being down that. in Florida. Yeah. You know they've got SEC network. It's not like a Oh boy, I'm gonna have to have this conversation of like you know we're we're in the southeast of the country, so I I felt pretty strongly about it. But again, it was probably my fault for not keeping keeping it locked. I had to go up and sing. Uh, didn't want to let the people down in the restaurant. Obviously, they were pretty excited uh, to hear me get up there and, and and do another good song. And and so I think I had I was caught between a rock and a hard place. You you can understand. Boy, I don't even want to know the song at this point. It's you know it's it's some of the usuals. I think we started off with a little wagon wheel. Um, I went up to the guy and said, "What needs to be sung right now? Do you think? What 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 do you need from me? I'm here to help." And he said, I "Really? Think I've never I, I've never heard of this uh, strategy before. What no, what can I do it. for you? Huh? No, I've certainly done it before at a, at a karaoke that may not be. You know, sometimes you go to a place and it's just the line is a dozen deep, and you think, oh boy, I better get on the list, or I may not get to sing before the night ends. This was a little bit of a different flair. There were patrons in the restaurant, but not everybody was." volunteering to sing so uh, Hockman Corey Miller and myself we sort of held it down and I was willing to go multiple times just to help with the ambiance of the place and so I asked the fella and he said you know I think right now we do need a little friends in low places uh, oh, I came back from doing that and suddenly the Missouri basketball score was in a low place so it didn't it didn't work out as I had hoped it would unfortunately that was a good pun. That was at least at like a five and a half out of ten on the pun I, metric. Again, <laughs> my pun above replacement value is is pretty strong. I thought eight seven five KTGR. If you want to give us a call or a text with a better pun than uh, than Brendan uh, brought to the table, Mizzou basketball. Give us your thoughts on that after yet another loss. Dave here on the KTGR hotline. Dave, what's up? Hey, two quick things. First off, I think it was. Uh... Brandon predict, predicted correctly that uh, Desiree's son would return in time for the game, and he Bang. did. So, Bang. Oh. Thank you, Dave. All right. He gets a feather in his hat for that. Uh, the main reason I'm calling, though, is you talked a lot ago about the college. I'm staying with basketball, but you talked about the change in the college football playoff. I saw a headline today that some of the conference co- conference commissioners are toying with the idea with tweaking with uh, the NCAA basketball. Have you heard anything about that? Well, I mean, there's expansion talk, and it's, it's always ongoing. And it, there's, I mean, not any, not anytime soon, not in the near future, but they're talking about it, and so you got to think it's coming, right? But you know what, Andy? Taking a look at Mizzou's conference record this year, I can see why Dennis Gates would like that tournament expansion. I think you get you get that tournament field <laughs> to like 256 teams, and Mizzou Good. is knocking on the door of that bubble. So, like, that's ah. where I think. No, that was a little bit of a cheap shot. I'm teasing. I know Man. we'll be back. Hey, listen, I know we'll be back, but I even asked Kyle Gibson today in the Cardinals Clubhouse. I'm like, you tracking Mizzou basketball much this year? And he's like, you know, I haven't had much time at all for basketball. Got to lock in before March Madness. He's excited about the recruiting class, too, though. So there's okay, a little reporting right. from, 
from down in Jupiter, uh, the, zoo, the zoo guy Kyle Gibson is locked in on that, and to, to whatever he can be. I mean, look, he's got more he's a little busy. Things. He's got more <laughs> he's important little, things to worry about. He's a little busy about. with a professional career, but yeah, I, mean, uh, I did yeah. ask the question. Well, I'm I'm glad you did because because uh, M I Z baby eight seven five K T G R. If you want to give us your thoughts on yet another loss for Mizzou basketball, this one to Tennessee, and again you you see the chances slip away when when they're leading like this at home and then you look ahead and it's like why have hope for any of these oh andy come on are you are you down in the dumps on this wednesday come on what do you mean you're up and you're up out of the dumps is that what (laughs) you are well you said why have hope i mean look they they went i won't say wire to wire because they pulled the classic kind of fade at the finish against tennessee that's a number five team in the country so I really yes, don't even care about better. it. No, I get the, it. They are the playing The schedule better. doesn't matter to me anymore if we're talking about hunting for that win, that conference victory. I feel like they could do it against anybody. Like it, all you got to do is finish last night and you will have already accomplished it. Home game is probably necessary though, and you don't have a ton of those left either. Like I I, I have a hard time believing you do it on the road. Ole Miss and Auburn. I think either of those. Home. I mean Auburn, yeah, Auburn's tough. Auburn's Ole Miss tough. maybe you circle that one, maybe you pick off Arkansas. That's your best on the road. chance, right? Yeah. Now, Arkansas this weekend, there's a chance because Arkansas isn't as good, but that's a tough place to play. They're not going to want to lose to Missouri. I, we know that's going to be. I mean, yeah. they're going to give you their best shot. 26% chance of Mizzou going winless, according to Ken Palm, as we speak today. I, I've been telling Ken Palm for weeks he needs to bump it. I know it's his metrics and not like just a guy typing in a, a number with a Sharpie and going, oh, I think we need to up it, but you might need to up it. Maybe so. But uh, give us your thoughts. Uh, Yes, Mizzou's playing better, but the result of making sure there's something in the win column by the end of the season, still not there yet. So what are your thoughts on all of that? Give us your thoughts at 875-KTGR. By the way, another one from last night brought the house down, Uptown Funk. Can you imagine? What a time. Really? Oh, man, I crushed it. You yeah, think I, so? There was a fella there who you could kind of tell was seated with a bunch of friends, and he would get up to sing occasionally. You could tell that he's like, a, a professional singer in some capacity, yeah. like doing it's Spanish language, just like just absolutely beautiful voice. How and many he, people he, were in this place? You know, it's there were some columns in the way, some maybe some tables toward the back. I didn't necessarily see. I'd say a few dozen, but like it was really just so our it table smaller than it was. No, it wasn't a huge. It was kind of more a more intimate gathering. But people were the bar was pretty much packed. They just they just weren't offering to sing right. But this fella. Um, Spanish language singer d- did a beautiful job. I requested Uptown Funk, Bruno Mars, and so I go up, and then I'm told by the DJ, like, oh, yeah, he just asked about that right after you. And I said, well, get on up here, buddy. And so we duetted, and, uh, man, the guy had some stage presence. So I, I felt even more comfortable, confident, because he was up there with me. Uh, I really I really looked up to this man whose name I did not catch. But, man, we had a good time. Uh, but yeah, Uptown Funk, believe it or not, was uh, was a. Crowd I would not loser. have been able to guess that for being for Uptown being Funk. Honest, go and give it no. to you. So, just <laughs> that's what I've heard. Wondering, yep. yeah, nope, it's true. Found out last night. Uh, Mizzou men's basketball trying oh, yeah. to, uh, yeah, they're uh, Tennessee gave it to them, and uh, unfortunately, they're still looking for that first conference win. Will they get it? Tell us eight seven five KTGR. I don't think we have to worry about Mizzou softball um, getting no. conference wins because they have started very hot. 10-0 start 
in non-con play, and now going to face some some tougher competition. But Mizzou has done well in this event before, and so you know they're going to be ready for this challenge. Larissa Anderson will talk with us next about who they're facing in the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic and what to expect there, and also how her team's starting to grow up some more after these games. That's uh, next year on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. We're back here on The Big Show, KTGR, KTGR.com, and the KTGR app with Andy Brennan and producer Chris. And what a weekend it was again for Mizzou softball. Still undefeated at 10-0 and after winning five games in Denton, Texas at the Tracy Beard College Classic this past weekend. The Tigers now head into their next crop of non-conference games in a tournament that they usually participate in each year, the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic down in Palm Springs, California, where they'll face some uh, some power uh, conference opponents uh, and some tough competition uh, to continue to test their early season. And here, Larissa Anderson, the head coach of Mizzou softball, with us on the big show. Coach, just from from last weekend, uh, got a, certainly a great pitching performance uh, from from your staff uh, all five games. But what overall kind of uh, do you think led to that, and and ultimately the team building off of it to get five more? I mean, it was it was great to be able to get as many arms. That was probably one of our goals going into that weekend to get some more work from some pitchers that really haven't gotten a lot of work um, in their careers, uh, Lily Witten in particular, and then a couple of our freshmen. So I'm glad that they were able to get more work underneath their belt. Um, what led to that was really setting them up for the opportunity to be successful and knowing our opponents and, and the scouting that goes into play to make sure that it's a good matchup so then they can experience their first time out um, and have a little bit more success rather than putting really throwing them to the wolves. But, I mean, our offense providing us that, that run support um, allows our pitchers to be able to work through some battles and, and be able to trust a little bit more that they have the offense to be able to support them through those moments. For sure, and uh, it certainly gave them the support uh, for most of the weekend. And and, and Sierra Harrison certainly stood out uh, as well with her no-hitter in Friday's game. Now, she was also, uh, on the other side, it was a no-hitter for, for A&M Commerce, and then she has to kind of match uh, what, what their pitching staff was able to do. But just talk about how she worked through that game, which was you know kind of an unusual one, and ultimately put up the no-no in the end. Um, at first, I think that might be one of the first no-no against no-nos I've ever seen and never been a part of, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, when we scored that first run in the first inning, with Jenna Laird, she had a walk to lead off the game. She stole second, she stole third, and then we had a sack fly by Julia Crenshaw. And, you know, that's all the run support we needed when you have a pitcher on the mound throwing a no-hitter. So, I mean, it was great that Sierra kept the game close. I mean, obviously really competitive, but... To add to that, the, the conditions, the claim conditions were, were brutal. We had a 30 mile an hour wind blowing straight in. So it wasn't that the both teams were completely shut down. It was any ball that was in the air wasn't going anywhere and it just stayed there. And I think there were only two ground balls the entire game on both sides. Must have been uh, weird to deal with for sure. Larissa Anderson, Mizzou softball coach, joining us here on the Big Show KTGR. So, I mean, you, you talk about her and uh, and the rest of the staff with how they worked through uh, those games. Uh, talk about some of them individually, like how they uh, how you saw them sort of improve, especially some of your younger players. As again, now is the time to kind of get some of that experience and and use it for later on. No, I'll start with Sierra Harrison. She is. She has great command right now. And, 
he's not shooting tons of swings and misses, but at the same time, like if the ball's not being hit hard and they're either really weak pop-ups or really weak ground balls, there's some action going on in the zone. And I, I know the more she throws, the more comfortable she get with the, the freedom to be able to just let it go. But she's hitting unbelievable locations. And that's, that's really the key. She's keeping them off balance and working both sides of the plate. Um, and, but it's also her competitiveness that when – when players get on and she feels that she has to make a big, big pitch, she's making that big pitch in that key moment. So that's huge for her to be able to experience two weeks into the season. Um, one that I'm really, really pleasantly excited about is Lily Wynn. Um, here's a player that hasn't pitched competitively in three years. She was injured her last year in high school. She redshirted last year, recovering from her injury. Um, so for her to go out there and be as competitive and dominant as she was, is just outstanding for the depth of our bullpen. For sure. Larissa Anderson, uh, Mizzou softball coach here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. You know, offensively, uh, we, we talked about that, that first game with all the conditions that were working against you weather wise, but you still get the, the one nothing win. And, uh, again, with Jenna Laird's, uh, effort to be able to, to get the walk, steal second, steal third, and, and at least make the winning plays, right? To, to give, uh, the offense a chance and give your team a chance. And then, it seemed that later on in the weekend, your team started to really pile on some of that offense, get those run rule victories. What do you think sort of sort of clicked later on as as they started to get that combination working again? You know, a lot of it. I mean, if you look at some of our numbers, there was there was a day in particular we had ten walks in one game, nine in another. Um, so when you have a pitching staff that you're facing that is trying to keep the ball off the heart of the plate because of how devastating our offense can be you have to develop a little bit more patience. Um, and hitters obviously want to hit. So it's great that we were able to draw the number of walks that we did. And it also just limits the opportunities that you have of hittable pitches and being able to hit them hard if, if the pitchers are trying to avoid you. Um, so I think it was just a really good combination. And when they did leave the ball over the heart of the play, we were capitalizing on those. I think what's the most impressive is that how many runs we scored with two outs, that there were a lot of times that we had runners in scoring position early on and maybe we didn't get the key hit with no outs, but it was we were passing the bat and scoring multiple runs with two outs. And that just shows the competitiveness and the grind that these players have, that they're they're refusing to be that last out and they're just not giving in to that. How are you seeing some of uh, the players that you know are are kind of entering the uh, the starting lineup this year, getting a little bit more more time? Players like Madison Walker, a younger player for for your group, Stefania Abruscado, uh, certainly contributing this weekend. How have you seen uh, some of those players that maybe aren't at the top of the lineup at least just yet, uh, really try to get their feet wet at this level and and try to put together quality at bats? I'll, I'll start with Abruscado. I mean, she is she's a, she's a dynamic player. She's sitting from the left-hand side. She's got unbelievable bat speed, and she's finding her way into the lineup just with her at-bats, and her eye is unbelievable that she doesn't chase the ball out of the zone, and for a freshman to have that plate discipline is really special. So we're going to see a lot more of Amber Scotto. Um, Madison Walker is, is feeling those freshman experiences where you're put in the middle of the lineup and you feel like you have to hit and you have to produce RBIs, and um, I moved her down the lineup a little bit more so it take a little bit pressure off of her. And I'd like to see her draw a little bit more walks because people are going to pitch around her because of how devastating she can be. 
Larissa Anderson, head coach of Mizzou softball, with us here on the Big Show KTGR. So now, uh, as as you're in transit uh, to California to take on some tough competition, and it usually is for uh, this tournament that you like to play in every single year at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic, San Diego State, Wisconsin, a ranked opponent in Baylor to close it out, uh, Central Florida, Cal State Fullerton. Just to, to be in this event and to have this, uh, again, an early season test with where your group is at, what's kind of the way that you approach it and and how your girls are excited for it? You know, it really sets us up going into conference play. And, and it's, the timing is absolutely perfect. The atmosphere is outstanding. It's, it's, you're playing regional and super regional competition. So it's a, it's a great test. It's intensity over five games where you don't have an easy game. So this is what you're going to experience when you go into regionals with four different, four different opponents. Um, you know, we have to make adjustments and we have to be able to capitalize when we might have one opportunity to win a game. And, and that's going to be the difference. Um, you might have one shot to be able to jump a pitch or, or one shot to make a play. And if you're not ready for that moment, you might have missed that, that chance. So it's going to really get us to focus on every single pitch for over that five-game stretch. And, and the intensity is just going to be something that they haven't experienced yet. Sounds good. Well, again, uh, those games all this weekend over in uh, Cathedral City, California. First game for the Tigers will be at uh, 7 o'clock on Friday, 7 Central Time, uh, as the Tigers take on San Diego State. And then four more opponents to to deal with uh, during the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic over in Southern California this weekend. Head coach Larissa Anderson of Mizzou Softball joining us here on the Big Show KTGR. Thanks, coach, for, for taking uh, time out of the travel uh, to, uh, to talk with us today. Hope all as well and good luck this weekend thanks andy m-i-z c-o-u the big show is on at uh 439 ktgr and ktgr.com again when you win a game one to nothing where both teams don't get a hit like sure it's not great that you got a hit they got no hit but you still found the winning play you still won the game and that's the uh, that that kind of speaks to the fortitude of your team right of being able to just do what you need to do to win and and then you get the great pitching performance on the other side and it comes together like that that's mizzou softball's doing that week too how about it yeah i mean finding ways to win i think is the bottom line and they've been doing quite a bit of that over their first couple weeks of the season so i'm excited to see where they go from here yeah it's uh it's going to be pretty exciting this week here's the thing if they're so they're 10-0 now, right? Last weekend, you can probably... The competition wasn't the best. The first weekend, they had two ranked opponents on their schedule, and they beat them both, and that was pretty darn impressive. And They vaulted into the rankings as a result. This year, impressive weekend. Run-ruled a couple of teams. Probably not the strongest uh, competition that you're right. looking at, though. This weekend, you, get five, you go 5-0 again? Oh, boy. It's time to... You aren't paying attention already. It'll be past time to do so because fifteen and zero with that schedule. If they actually do run run the table there, I think something's cooking. Something is cooking. Tell you what, I can't wait. Well, it's going to be good. It's going to be good just to see how they fare against uh, again another weekend that's probably like you said stronger competition. Yeah. Than we just saw a week, and they ago. get it every year, and will we'll, and it always helps them out. They usually get a big boost from this weekend. We'll see if yeah. the same thing happens. Uh, Dan Hurley needed uh, a boost after his team lost on the road to Creighton, and and he, if he didn't have a bunch of people surrounding him, he probably would have found his way into the stands somehow. 
Is that what we're seeing here from Dan Hurley? And then he goes to social media today? Man, what's going on? We'll talk about it next year and Under the Bus after this live local sports center. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. It's time to go under the bus on The Big Show. Dan Hurley wanted to fight somebody in the Creighton crowd yesterday. Here back on the Big Show, Andy Brennan and producer Chris. Dan Hurley, the coach of UConn, the number one team in the country. Well, they lost yesterday at Creighton. Great win for Creighton, by the way. First time, I believe, they had ever beaten a number one team in school history. So, obviously, they stormed the court. And they thumped them, by the way. I mean, that wasn't close. It was pretty decisive. Dan Hurley... Quite literally, the jawing at the crowd as he's walking into the tunnel, basically saying, hey, you want to come fight me? No? And then today, he tweets out a, basically a gif of his face over, I don't want to spoil Game of Thrones for people. But <laughs> I think it's an old, I think Cer- it's been out for a while. The Cersei scene uh, when she's walking through the uh, the city. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know. Shame. Uh, shame. Puts his face on Cersei's face and basically, like, for 20 seconds and says, see you Saturday. That's what he captioned it with. This was posted? Yeah. Like, but if you look at Dan Hurley's Twitter account, and so that referring to their game coming up against Villanova, I guess Villanova fans are probably jumping on the opportunity to say, like, hey, oh, UConn just lost. Maybe we got a chance now. Yeah, I'll bet. I mean... Seems Dan Hurley's in a fighting mood after uh, losing this game. I don't know. I, I don't know if there was something in particular that set him off. But man, I now see the. I now see the <laughs> post. What's happening here? This is. This came out of nowhere. I think almost for, for I, me. And I have to be totally honest. When you said it was the Game of Thrones scene, I'm like, isn't that lady naked in that scene? But he, yeah, he dropped yeah, it yeah. appropriately. He dropped so it out. I'm yes. sorry. For a minute, I was like. He, he did not post that scene. No, no, way. no. no. Now yeah. I'm, I'm with you now. Okay. If you see it, you're not gonna, you know, get in you're trouble or work yeah, or yeah. anything yeah. like I got that. You. But uh, either way, for a second though, under the bus. <laughs> like I have seen Game of Thrones, and you gotta be, you gotta be careful. With you do, <laughs> yeah, no, it, uh, certainly so. Uh, under the bus to uh, Justin Fields, uh, he had to, I guess, respond to. Uh, the fact that he unfollowed the Bears on Instagram. Did it? Justin Fields did? I thought it was DJ Moore I saw. Or maybe DJ Moore did. Unfollowed. I mean, no, uh, Justin Fields. Well, no. Okay. He, he, was on the, he was on a podcast, and he cleared yeah. the air about it and uh, said, quote, why do people take social media so serious? I still mess with the Bears. They're this and that. I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollowed the Bears and the NFL. I'm not trying to have football on my timeline. So, I mean, he's like. Try to push it off. And he's also saying, like, oh, I'm tired of the trade talk and everything like that, which I, I understand. But. I get it. I get it. And I also think there might be an element to this of, like, his generation, a little younger, a little more savvy to the Instagram, not as big of a deal to, to do a follow or an unfollow as maybe older folks might think. Like, I'll call myself older in this instance at 29 years old. Yeah. I think I might look at that and go, oh, but... I think for kids, you know, lower 20s, it's just what it is. I, I don't think it's a big deal, necessarily. Like, you don't want them on your feet anymore, so it's you just, see them follow. It's not, yeah, it ain't It ain't that deep, as the kids would say. Yeah. So you still say that? Maybe I, that, I have no idea. If you're, th- if you're asking what the kids say these days, under the, wrong the guy, bus. Huh? Ask producer Chris. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do here on this show. Under the bus to Bob Nutting. Apparently, uh, the Pirates owner under some fire today. Well, I mean, the Athletic put out a, like, massive... I don't know if you call it an expose, but like a pretty well-reported article basically detailing the state of the Pirates. 
I can tell you the state of the Pirates. Not good. Um, yeah. And basically, Bob Nutting, you know, owner of the Pirates, kind of revealed to have, you know, not wanted to spend money. That the article with the Athletic, which you should go read. You don't say. Um, they, they start out the article talking about how the old GM, I think Neil Huntington, like a decade ago, wanted to implement. It was going to cost eight million bucks, but they needed to upgrade facilities because their facilities were like a hundred years old, and they needed to they needed some infrastructure. And asked ownership, like, hey, eight million bucks, do you think we could, you know, work something out? And he basically said, no, that'll come from the existing budget you guys have. So when when fans say that teams are, you know, refusing to spend and in areas where they could be kind of upgrading infrastructure, the Pirates were basically just taking from their already existing payroll options and, and paying players less and, and acquiring less talent because they had to acquire the infrastructure and the ownership just wouldn't budge on being able to chip in more money for that kind of stuff. Like, how crazy? You own the team. Wouldn't you want the team to be a successful endeavor? I guess he's okay with them just kind of being also Rams, which is where Pittsburgh Pirates have been for most years. I think in this article, one of the players, I don't know if the player is named, but they're quoted as saying that he heard Bob Nutting uh, just in passing, saying that he's fine with the team being mediocre. He's he's comfortable with it. Yeah, comfortable he said that with the permeates. Team being... That's just what the organization is. <laughs> mediocre. And by the way, too, Cabrian Hayes, one of their bright young players, third baseman, I believe he won the gold glove last year, yeah. snapping the Nolan Arenado streak. The Pirates basically got rid of the, the trusted, confidant hitting coach that Cabrian Hayes had sort of attached himself to. You know how it can go sometimes in a major league clubhouse. There may be different philosophical needs. Some players hear or, or kind of take in information better from this coach versus another coach, and that's okay. But Cabrian Hayes kind of had his guy, and they they whacked him. Like, that's one of your best players. Uh, whenever he's a free agent, he's going to be available. MLB teams, just uh, be aware. Yeah, I, I sure hope he is because he needs to get out of Pittsburgh Under the bus. and be on a winning team. I uh, anyone? It, it, why should you believe now that Pittsburgh should be one of your destination spots to go as a free agent? And it probably wasn't the case anyway. But certainly now you can't. You can't get there. Sorry. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the Big Show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory. Any time of year is a good time to get delicious handmade chocolates and candies from the Candy Factory in downtown Columbia. Anniversary, birthday, any day. Find them online at thecandyfactoryonline.com. Eric Hosmer is calling it a career. The beloved former Kansas City Royal, part of the 2015 World Series team, I believe he won a four-time Gold Glover, and I believe that year he was his All-Star season as well. Producer Chris with a fine salute as he's uh, given us in the uh, in the studio now. Well, all the Royals were All Stars that year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're right because they stuffed the the ballot box, didn't they? They right? totally yeah. did. So right. more, the, more teams should the, do that, by the way. Who was the infielder that had? Was, was I'll see this Escobar, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Escobar There's no way <laughs> he was like hitting 220 him. or something like that. <laughs> we tried God so hard. Him. We tried so hard to get Omar Infante on like oh. all start like starting lineup. I oh. think that's so they, funny. But Eric Cosmer actually deserved it because he had good numbers, and uh, yes, so he, he he got the All Star nod and was a four time Gold Glover too. And again, just a, seemed like a heart and soul guy for that Royals core. And I remember like with with him and and, and Locaine and. And again, all uh, Alex Gordon, 
that group of players that really meant so much to the to Royals fans at that time being able to bring a championship in that year, capitalize on it, get get a hot, you know, October and actually capitalize on it was key. Absolutely. I'm I'm reading up on this too. It, Hosmer is going to start like his own media company. That's kind of the, the hot new thing for former ball players to do. So he'll put out some baseball content. We'll see how that goes. But I'm remembering that eight year contract he signed with the Padres, and I'm thinking so good. Well, I'm <laughs> oh, thinking man. like it can't have already been eight years ago that that happened. It wasn't. And, it's, and it wasn't. It was an eight year, hundred and forty four million dollar deal in 2017, and basically. Uh, the Padres still owe him the money. <laughs> like he's the the Padre. The, the story from Not the bad. San Diego Union Tribune is Eric Hosmer announces retirement, but no salary relief for the old uh, for the old dad. Well, I think this is the. I think thankfully this is the last year of it. So I think it's through twenty five. Actually, according to this article, oh, is it Ed? that it says they owe him twenty six million? Did he sign um, it at the end of twenty seventeen or at the beginning? That's maybe important I, to know. I don't recall, but I'm just just reading the article. Okay. That's what it says: is that the Padres are still no going to be uh, I, I, on the hook for a couple of years. It, at, at either way, he's he's deciding not to play. He's calling it a career, even though he could be paid quite a lot of money to do so. But to be clear, I think he's still getting his money from San Diego because he yeah. was released by Boston. Like yeah, that that that's all done. But he's the, yeah, the team wanted is, to sign him to another contract. You could do probably. what Carp did essentially for major league right. minimum yeah. coming in, and like now, basically, what that does is the Braves because they were responsible for I think the rest of Carpenter's contract. The Braves get a little bit of relief by the Cardinals signing him to a minimum deal, but because you can't double dip. But like ultimately, somebody's still paying Hosmer that money. It just reminds me of Anthony Rendon from earlier this week, where he basically <laughs> is like. I don't really like baseball too much. Well, then don't play. You can you cannot play baseball. No, and still have that he the, no, he needs the Angels to release him. Oh, that's it. But he's just got to show up to work, and and he keeps keeps getting paid. So cashing those checks. Sorry, yep. Angels fans. He's Punch not into in. it. He's Punch just out. not that into you. That's Major League Baseball. The <laughs> Anthony Rendon. It's that's just, Angels baseball for you. I go to work. I guess. All right. Uh, we'll talk some. Uh, we'll we'll get to some thoughts from Cardinals camp from Brendan at five twenty five. We'll also talk about the college football playoff format. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, but now a family tweet out there reports saying maybe twelve teams isn't enough. We'll talk about it next on the Big Show.